This season of the Arts Explanatory Comma Podcast is brought to you in part by the City of Houston and Houston Arts Alliance. Houston Arts Alliance is a local arts and culture organization whose principal work is to implement the City of Houston's vision, values, and goals for its art grant making and civic art investments. HAA's work is conducted through contracts with the City of Houston, overseen by the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. HAA also executes privately funded special projects to meet the needs of the arts community, such as disaster preparation, research on the state of the arts in Houston, and temporary public art projects that energize neighborhoods. In short, HAA helps artists and arts nonprofits be bold, productive, and strong. We want to say thank you to Houston Arts Alliance and the City of Houston for your support of our little podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hey, just quick heads up. This podcast may contain some adult language and adult themes. So if you got kids around, tell them earmuffs. If you at work, put your headphones on. Just make sure you're not about to get in trouble for listening to this. Also, remember that it is all in artistic context. We're not just out here talking crazy for no reason. All the time, anyway. Um, but stay tuned. Today's guest is a staple in the Houston entertainment industry, um, and you have seen him probably at your local art event, um, or back in the day, you've seen him at uh, back in the day. any number of Shadow films. Bar. Shadow Bar. The Drake. Drake. I remember the Drake. That Martin ain't soon. Yeah. I mean, it's not like back in the day, back in the yeah. day. That's not like T-Town. You know what I'm saying? That's not like <laughs> that's not like Coco Loco and Roxy. You know what I'm saying? But it is, you know, it's, it's some time removed. I don't care. That's some time removed. Uh, but today's guest is Mr. David Anderson the Third. Thank you guys for having me. Do you prefer Excuse to be me. called Dave Da? I want to make sure we don't. Wait, whatever you guys want to call DA. me, Da. Uh, I, I like I like Da better. Da. Da. That works. So I personally was excited about this because when we started the podcast first season and in second, when we were telling people what we were doing, they were like, oh, you got to interview EDA. I was like, okay. But no one ever quite said why, Mm -hmm. but it was just your name kept coming up in different circles. Oh, your podcast is about this. You got to interview EDA. So with that, the question was, how do you define your role in the art world where that's the the reputation that precedes you? You know what? I think it's uh, bigger than the art world. Okay. I think to define what I do, I think Toby and Weeway said it best. He said, Dave is a dot connector. Dot connector. So that's what I do. I connect the dots. So not just in art, but in music mm-hmm. and culture and in life, I try to put the right people next to the right people. Um, sometimes just for the culture, right? Mm-hmm. So I work with an art, artist named Mufasa Enzer. He's a mm-hmm. producer and he's really dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't heard him, definitely check him out. Okay. But he's on, he's definitely on the come up. Um, and I put him next to an artist named Tyler. Because um, I just think the right people need to know each other and be in the room. So I feel like as the old head in the room, the right thing to do is have the right people around each other. And, you know, if they need something, I think I have the resources now to connect to that. So that's what I do in the art world. Okay. So um, the resources, let's talk about yep. your background. Okay. What do you do? 
So as, <laughs> as Mark alluded to, um, I was a promoter for 27 years, uh, simultaneously owning a marketing agency. Uh, started promoting at the tender age, actually, of 16. I think what's relevant to this podcast is it was through promoting that I started collecting art. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my big brother's Greg Shannon. He's a, <coughs> a big art collector here locally, Ed Ham. They said, you know, you got to put your money away in some assets. Mm-hmm. And they taught me about the art game <coughs> as far as being an investment and being something that you love. The first artist that that they put me onto was Andre Bear. Hmm. By Twire. Yeah. And once I got a chance to meet Andre Bear, I, f- I truly fell in love with Houston's black art scene. Okay. So what was your earliest connection to art before that? Like, did you grow up in... You know what? <coughs> my, my, my parents weren't really art collectors. I think my first real art experience was in college. I went to University of Virginia, and I took an African-American art uh, studies class. Hmm. And it was through there that I realized... I like art. Like I, I just genuinely like looking at art, um, seeing how it makes others feel, seeing how it makes me feel. I became a huge fan of Ramart, uh, Ramari Bearden. Mm, yeah, Ramari um, Bearden's art. Yeah, so that's how it started. I'll just add this to the list of artists I need to discover. I mean, well, if Rekha, you love Ramari. Okay. Yeah, I'll take your word for that. He got a whole clip. You got a whole click. click. So okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> whole like, click. Uh, Beard and Christmas, Walter mm-hmm. Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. They preceded. Uh, I keep forgetting my man's name. Uh, uh, Jacob Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. um, Gwendolyn Knight was actually Jacob Lawrence's wife, but they were all. They all kind of ran in the same circle. Okay. Uh, Post Harlem Renaissance artist. Yep. Really dope work. Really dope work across the board. We'll yeah. Also share it's in that list of three hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say the I name. One of the names yeah. you said. <laughs> I think they are. You can give them credit. Um, and I ask you, Mark, for kind of being the contemporary African American artist, kind of opening it up after, like you said, after yeah. the Harlem Renaissance. I mean, there was so much going on at, during the Harlem Renaissance and after the Harlem Renaissance. Um, all over the country, but yeah, no. When when people start naming names, those it's usually out of that same circle. Yeah. Their collective was called Three Hundred Six. Okay. Uh, I only know that because I used to teach my students that every year. Uh, I did a project on Jacob Lawrence, so we touched that. all of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Three Hundred Six that was their that was their artist collective. And most of the time, when you start when people start going back, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Before you know, Catlett, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Then it's like, oh, Bearden, Christmas, Lawrence, like okay. you know that whole kind of circle. And where where did 306 come from? You know, the funny thing is, I'm not entirely sure. I think it was a spot that they used to hang out at, mm. um, but I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that. I feel like I feel like that's what it is, but I could be lying. So uh, I'll put definitely put it on Instagram. Um, to make sure that we, we vet that. Because I don't want people to be like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They used to hang out at 306. And somebody's like, nah, that's not that shit. So, <laughs> where Dave Anderson used to promote. That's how that story We started a whole twisted. rumor, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, is he, a, is he a vampire? How is he that old? You don't get it? Okay, never mind. I lost you. I got it. It's <laughs> I'm that old. <laughs> so, my question is, 
who is the artist that really did it for you? Is it, it, it was Romare Bearden? I think that was the first one. I think that was the first one? In my collection stage, it was definitely Robert Hodge. Okay. So Andre Bear was kind of the segue, like, oh, man, a young brother can make a lot of money be compared to Michael Jordan of the local art scene. But it was Robert Hodge's art that I really just fell in love with. As you guys can yeah. see, I, I collect his art. Um, what was it about Hodge's work? You know what? Because I felt like he was a contemporary. Um, mm. I saw him growing up um, in Third Ward. You know, I could relate to him. Yeah. But the brother was just doing dope stuff. And he's, he's a creative, not mm-hmm. just as a visual artist, but he makes music, yeah. um, videos. Like, any, any way the brother can create, he creates. Yeah. Uh, so I fell in love with not just Robert Hodge, the visual artist, but him as a person and how he creates and the subject matter that he touches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense because he is an absolute monster. And uh, at 26, that's all I can afford. <laughs> <laughs> Was my good friend, Robert Hodge. <laughs> but um, not, not truly. He, he's a dope artist, man. That, yeah. That's what did it to me, uh, for me to start collecting art. was Hodge's work. So what is your... What is your mission now that you're a collector? That you're, 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 Do you have a philosophy for collecting? I, I don't. But if there was a mission, it would be to connect the visual artists with brands. Mm-hmm. So my day job, I'm actually a managing partner for a marketing agency, Team Enterprises. Okay. Um, we Our bigger clients include BMW, um, YouTube, Miller Coors and Bacardi. Bacardi is probably the biggest one I work on. Bacardi is a family-owned brand and company, but they own Patron, they own Bombay Sapphire, they own Grey Goose. Right now, we're working on the Bombay Sapphire campaign. The brand is really big on diversity and art, and I'm proud to be a part of the campaign that brought Hebrew Brantley to the brand. So I would love to do that for my artist friends here in Houston. So Hebrew is dope. Um, from originally from Detroit, but out of Chicago. Yep, that's where that's he's it. working. A yep. lot of dope work. Um, there's several statues of his in front of uh, the shed mm-hmm. uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. um, and a couple of other places right off of Millennium Park. Um, so if y'all are in, if anybody listening is in Chicago, y'all need to check that out if you Definitely. don't know. Um, let me ask you this, though. From, yeah. from the... So I, I, I'm in a lot of rooms where we have conversations about the commercialization of art. Mm-hmm. And whether or not it's a good thing for the fine artists or a bad thing for the fine artists. I think it's a good thing. You think it's a good thing? I think it's a good thing because if you look like, look at an artist like Hebrew Brantley mm-hmm. or Blue, a lot of people wouldn't know them Yeah, if it wasn't for their collabs with Bombay or Nike, right? Yeah. So I think it helps bring some of these really dope visual artists into the mainstream. So mm-hmm. me personally, I think it's a good thing. Well, so I agree it's a good thing in name recognition mm-hmm. and monetarily, for sure. Mm-hmm. From the aspect of artist growth, what mm-hmm. do you think? I mean, See, he had to take a deeper breath yeah. for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I could see where it may stunt it, right? So you yeah. get this brand partnership, um, and then you think maybe you've made it, mm-hmm. and you didn't work the whole gallery circuit you know work the whole uh starving artist scene so i i definitely understand where you're coming from but i think there's more upside than downside Hmm. i think so my my feelings towards it are always on the fence because Mm -hmm. the monetary value of it absolutely name recognition dope 
right? Mm-hmm. The fact that with that name recognition, you're going to be able to eat off of that commercial work after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. After everybody forgets, you know, you're still going to be able to sell work because there are still people that are following you. They, they recognize that name, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, and it's not about the gallery, it's not about working the gallery circuit, it's just about personal growth as an artist, right? Because sometimes people get really excited and they get that check and they're like, people know me for this. I can't go away from this because if I go away from this, then damn, I'm stuck. Yeah, exactly. So what does the upward uh, trajectory look like for you, like for an artist? Um, I think it encompasses that. I just uh-huh. think it's I haven't I haven't yet well Hodge is the best example I've seen mm-hmm. of getting that success getting that check and still growing right because early 2000s he did the collaboration with Adidas mm-hmm. the socks and yep, the, the shirt I still have the shirt and the socks yeah so it was like oh shit he's made it he he out here doing it right but then he goes away a couple few years later he goes away to Pittsburgh and he comes back and <laughs> the work has grown it's bigger it's doper it doesn't look the same as those screen printed mm-hmm. uh collages and things like that that he was doing early 2000s right like where his work was then and where it is now is completely different i think it was a pittsburgh trip and definitely the africa trip oh yeah wait hodge goes away and he just comes back <laughs> A born-again artist with new hunger and a new style. You're right. Yeah. So, like, with Blue, which I love Blue's work. Mm -hmm. I think it's dope. Um, I think it's a good segue into pop art Mm -hmm. uh, for people that, you know, may may be unfamiliar. Um, For those of you that are unfamiliar, that would be Andy Warhol. That would be Roy Lichtenstein. Mm -hmm. Things like that. Uh, Blue has kind of taken his for lack of better terms, kind of cartoony style Mm -hmm. and made it all his own. Right. Um, so it's a, it's definitely a good segue. The the mummy. Yeah. I love that. But I want to see, I want to see what else he has because there's depth there. Right. Because his photographs, his film photographs, which artist are you talking about? Blue. Oh, okay. Blue is an artist out of, uh, Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, who is now living in LA and LA has been his rebirth. Um, you guys have probably seen when Kendrick did that crazy performance where he was on the cop car, blue painted the cop car, Uh, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So he's done a lot of cool things and the mummy is absolutely his thing. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in seeing more. I can see that like branching out to the left or the right. Um, same with Hebrew. Yeah. I love Flyboy. I love that. I love the whole but, but thing. But what else can you do after that, right? Yeah. I have to make it to Chicago to see the movie. <laughs> I heard it's dope. Yeah. Really yeah. dope. I'm just going to book a ticket and wait. go. Yeah. We, we definitely have to do that. Yeah. But I'm going I need, with y'all. <laughs> cool. I need to follow that with a question. And my question is, it. don't you want to see more? I do. I do. And actually, Hebrew is a perfect segue. I, I like the exper- experiential things that artists mm-hmm. are doing where it's not just looking at visual art on the wall or gallery. Now it's a whole experience, right? Yeah. So I think that I do want to see more and I think it's dope in an artist like blue, just cause I know, him, I know him personally. I know okay. that he can do more. Yeah. 
But you're right. Like, what what is the challenge going to be where he steps out of what we know him for? Yeah. And that could be one of the things, like you said, the brand stunning his growth because maybe he doesn't want to step outside yeah. of what he's popular for. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Just guess. I mean, he still he still definitely puts up uh, photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always kind of a treat to see his photographs because he's yep. shooting a medium format um, film camera. So it, just what he's doing is, is really dope. Um, he's got a partner, uh, and he can uh, DJ. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that dude does every damn thing. But they got a whole clique out of Dallas yep. because Jeremy is dope as hell too. He's dope. Jeremy um, Biggers. What, what's Blue's brother's name? Uh, is Aunt Blue? Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Aunt's dope. Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it, a lot of dope things. I just like I said, I want to see him stretch a little bit, but I want to see everybody stretch. I'm stretching myself, so. As the non-artist in the yeah, room, yeah, yeah. I think it's an interesting perspective because even through the podcast, we always ask our artists what are their goals for their art. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like with the social media frame, mm-hmm. who's saying that they're not growing, but because we're looking at what they're posting in real time, if yeah. they're posting what keeps them in their bag. Oh, oh no, no, no. I'm not saying that there's there's no say growth. 10 years from now, it's like, oh, this is what I've been working yeah. on privately mm-hmm. as I'm growing as an artist. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's no growth. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I want to see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, I, I can, because everybody's not going to grow out yeah. amongst everyone, right? All plants don't flourish in sunshine. You know what I'm saying? Same thing. And, and I think, Raquel, you actually brought up a good point. So, not just the brand stunning the growth, but social media also, right? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it, <laughs> social media is a whole yeah. gallery. Well, uh, we only see what you post on there, but when you add in metrics and what's getting engagement, you mm-hmm. do have to be intentional about what you show. You might right. have a private art account where you're like, hey, trying something new today. Absolutely. But that, that hinders your brand or people are like, oh, he doesn't have it anymore while you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. I can see why you wouldn't share it. Yeah. Or rush to share it. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's just, you know, because I don't, I don't share a lot of the stuff that I'm working on, right? Like I showed you photos before, yeah. you know, we started on the air, but I, I don't put that on Instagram. I, I know I don't. But all I'm saying is, I want to see it. I'm not saying don't grow. Don't do your own thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where you at? I just want to see it. <laughs> the art consumer. Yeah. To see it. So, you okay. know, once DA connects us with Blue, <laughs> then we'll be able to see some of that. You know what I'm saying? I got you. Because I will go to LA just to be in that studio. You know what I'm saying? You got to get a better angle if you're <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Raquel. <laughs> just saying. That's what I live with, bro. That's what I live with. That's not bad. So let me ask you this, going back to, to your collecting, um, I know you love Hodge, yep. right? Um, but who are some of the other artists that, uh, that kind of excite you, that you've seen, that you've started collecting? Or- so I told you guys, my favorite young artist right now is definitely Tyler. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the, the work he's doing. Uh, it's just different and refreshing to me. Um, I like Donkey Boy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not only do I, I manage him, but he's a breath of fresh air. The stuff that that he talks about in his art, outside of his murals, mm-hmm. is is really funny, but tackles real topics. Yeah. Um, I like Damian Hunter, uh, the piece I showed you guys when he walked in. I think when you think about what New Orleans art looks and feels like, he encompasses it all. It all. Uh, who else do I like? And I definitely like blue. So what would you say the the common theme throughout that work is? Other than the fact that all of them are people of color. 
So (laughs) this is just my complete opinion. There's something, there's a cool factor. Mm -hmm. Mm, Okay. Like when you, when you look at the pieces that I have to me, I saw something that was like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Or or there's a cool extra story to it. Right. So I told you the story about the mask and then the story about Severus. Like I like when there's a little bit of a deeper meaning Mm -hmm. when you start digging through the layers. So, okay. But for me, there's this, this, this cool factor. Like, Oh man, that shit's cool. Yeah. So you're not you're not necessarily into collecting things that don't have that that voice. And it, and, it, and and it, she's and it, giggling he's because such a messy. <laughs> no 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 no. And, she, and it's personal. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's really personal to me. So the voice that I hear may not be what you guys hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because and I mean that 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 makes sense. We're but gonna keep fighting. Rock out. Raquel and I have had this uh, ongoing conversation about voice. Mm. Right. And from what I understand voice to be from, you know, um, teaching art and thinking about art and spending most of my time talking to artists about art. (laughs) Right. Like being able to say something with your work. So it doesn't exist just to be pretty. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which is cool. By all means, (laughs) make beautiful work. I'm with that. Um, But I needed to say something. I needed to. I need there to be something deeper than what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what I'm hearing from Absolutely. you. Right? Like Absolutely. You want to, you want to have that there. And, and I'm be honest, but before it got there, the cool factor for me was music. So if you look mm-hmm. at my early art, you'll see some kind of either music yeah. or something that conveys like a sound in it. Yeah. Right. So okay. you see a megaphone in my first piece, you see Louis Armstrong. Yeah. My next pieces I got were Michael Jackson pieces that Robert Hodge did. So at first, it was all about <laughs> it was all about the music for me. Yeah. Okay. So when you're collecting, well, you said you said it's a very personal thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it always connected to what the artist tells you the story is, or is it? it it's first before the artist tells me what the story is. I make up my own story, right? Yeah. What I think the story is. Sometimes usually I'm wrong, but that's the story I stick to when it gets to my house. That's fine. Right. So yeah. yeah to answer your question, usually it's my story before the artist tells me something. Because sometimes the artist won't even tell you, right? Yeah, for sure. So what would your advice to young collectors be? Start with art that you love, right? So don't don't look at it as an investment or Look at the price. Start mm-hmm. with something that you love. Like, I need this piece. Yeah. Right. Don't even look at the artist's name. Just just get a piece like, yo, this this is something that needs to be in my career. Yeah. And then as you start realizing kind of your style, what you like, you realize what artists are going to take it serious. Right. So after I started buying the art that I loved, I did want it to become an investment. Yeah. And so when I looked at it as an investment, I looked at which artists are applying for grants, which artists are starting to invest back into their careers, which artists are taking this as a full-time job. Yeah. And so all that weighs in because you can see the seriousness um, of how they take their art and their creativity in the art. Yeah. And I think that pays off. Okay. That sounds good to me. Yeah. I (laughs) I am the young art collector. That's, so that was my question. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how you're supposed to start with what you like. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Because if you buy, if you concern yourself with all those things out the gate, you'll never buy anything. Never. It'll always never. be analysis paralysis. Do you prefer <laughs> to buy through galleries or directly from the artist? Directly from the artist. 
Why? Um, a, the gallery marks it up, right? Yeah. So they don't want to do that, and I'd rather pay the artist more. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it, it just feels better. Like, let me give you the money that the gallery would get mm-hmm. and take care of you. It just Because galleries generally take 50%. Right. Off top. Yeah. And they, what, what about you? Oh, you're a gallery buyer. No, I'm not a gallery. I cannot afford to be a gallery buyer. Mark, tell me, is she a gallery buyer? (laughs) I am not a gallery buyer. All the work that I have in my collection, I have purchased directly from the artist. Awesome. Um, She slides in DMs. Of artists. Of artists. I I like that. I like that. That's dope. Especially if someone's going to take that sign. Especially if you don't know them. I think artists appreciate that. I've actually built some really good relationships. Um, There's an artist, Katrina Long. I brought my first piece from her like four or five years ago. She's in Tennessee. Okay. Um, I wrote my first piece from her like four or five years ago when I was first learning Instagram, actually. <laughs> um, and since did then, you find her on Instagram? I did. Okay. She came up in a hashtag of I think like hashtag Black Artist, and I really liked it. Reached out, was like, "Hi, I like your art." She's like, oh, "Okay," and she sold me my first piece. It's like probably like an eight by seven. Mm-hmm. I still have it right by my nightstand. Like it's like my favorite piece in my collection because it was my first like. What oh, What shit. is it of? Um, it's so her. I'd have to explain her art style. It's kind of like a. Not an imaginary world, but an imaginary world. Mm-hmm. And she creates figures and beings in that world. So it's real. I'll show you her um, her profile. But it's, it's, I don't even remember what made me buy it. I was like, oh, this is really dope. You know, support black women, support black artists. Purchased it. I could afford it at the time. And then mm-hmm. as her work started growing, I just started bu- buying more pieces. And then this year, I made, like, I need to buy, try to be more intentional. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. an impulsive buy. And she sent me complimentary piece of work because she was like I think you're actually my largest collector that's dope like you have the largest private collection and I kind of did inventory because I don't have all my art hung up I'm a bad art collector that's Just, normal look at me yeah that's but normal I'm pretty yeah. sure you have a system I have like a, a tote that I flip through whenever I move like ah, I should probably put this up now ball of problems yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah it's my art's always been I like this it's pretty mm-hmm. can I afford it um, and as I've gotten older, my price tag's gone up, but I've appreciated when I've gone back to artists, seeing that their prices have also gone up because it means all the stuff that I bought for 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks, it's worth a lot more now. Have either of you resold any of the art that you bought? So I, no, no. I've given art away that I'm just like, it doesn't resonate with me anymore. Needs I've given art, but I don't feel right reselling art. Not right now. I'm right with you. So yeah. I, all the art I buy is not all of it, but a lot of it. I look at will it retain its value or will it, will it grow in value? Mm-hmm. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll sell this and send my kids through school. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to sell it anymore. It's, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of grown attached to it now. I feel like a lot of people be, do. It'll be like, oh, when I do. die, I need to make sure that they do what's right with it. I'd rather the art that I've collected be like put in a gallery or in other people's homes. I mean, I'm going to tell you, though, when the, the Raquel Simone gallery. Yeah. You know, when somebody's like a hey, D.A., let me get that Hodge. I got a cool 20 million. <laughs> yeah. Hodge, can you recreate this piece for me? <laughs> Like, you're gonna bust down ten and work. ten. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's where my conflict comes in is that if I were able to resell my work because I brought it personally from the artist, mm-hmm. obviously I, the idea is I'd sell it for a profit. But it's like okay, I didn't. That artist who made that didn't get anything from it other than the initial sale. Kickback so, then. 
which I would do, but I know that that's not the norm. Yeah. So I wouldn't have a problem saying, "Hey, I sold, I resold your art." Well, so Here's listen, a I have that's a, me. I have a billion dollar idea, okay, for using blockchain technology and nano chipping, okay, of artwork in order to track royalties. I love it. You got that. that that's actually <laughs> not, that's, that's that, that, you know that that's the big problem for most artists is when it gets resold, yeah. mm-hmm. they don't make any of that money. What yeah. was the documentary I told you I was watching on Netflix? Uh, you uh, Blurred Lines. That's yeah. not the worst one. The Art of the Steel is worse. Yeah, but Blurred Lines like really <laughs> blew my mind because I was like, these works are selling for twenty, thirty, forty million yeah. dollars, which is really when you're like, money isn't a real concept for things that. But well, whatever. Well, All so I have to first, say is, go ahead. I appreciate buying art from living artists because mm-hmm. I know that buying that is one sustaining yeah. they they can live they can eat mm-hmm. and yeah. all that. But so buying it in an art gallery an art auction that's just helping the rich get richer. Which I mean, hey, by all means, but yeah. it doesn't connect with me personally. As in, I bought this art; it has meaning to me yeah. as a person who made it. I mean, so there's something to be said for that, right? And as an artist, I absolutely appreciate that. As a human being, I appreciate that. I appreciate that sentiment. You know, but at the same time, if if the art's not moving, mm-hmm. right, kind of like if the dollar in the black community ain't touching them hands, what's it worth? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> what's it worth to have a billionaire in the black community if he not, you know what I'm saying, Keep sharing it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with art. If that art's not moving, then that art no longer has that value. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it will to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But if no black art is changing hands, that's I mean, it's black art. Everybody has that shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it there has to be some sort of uh, contribution to the general art landscape in order for it to keep increasing in value. I think valuing black art, like I'm obviously a novice collector, but my peers know me like, oh, Raquel collects art. And I know people who've gone out to artists and buy yeah. it. So that artist is continuing to make money. Their prices are going up, but yeah. people are like, oh, if they think that I'm cool and I'm cool because I buy art and they go buy art from that artist at a higher value because now that artist is like. The other thing, though. Yeah. So I, th- I think part of it is that who owns your art dictates oh. who. So while I might not have paid $10,000 for my art, if the artist I bought it from is like, hey, that's how much it goes now. They really want to own the same art that I own. Yeah. The, the other side of that to think about is. And I'm gonna say this, and then we're gonna segue over some other things for David. Is that the thing is like, if an artist makes over a certain threshold of work, mm-hmm. that work starts to lose value because mm-hmm. now it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Everybody has the market. it. You know what I'm saying? The market is flooded, so now it's losing its value. So nobody's gonna pay the same amount because it's like, oh shit, come on. He's made 15,000 of those. So I won't buy limited prints. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a I, tough thing. I, I, w- I want to backtrack on something that you yeah. said, Raquel. Um, and I probably should have said this at the beginning of the podcast when you guys said, what, what is one of my purpose and one of the things I want to do outside of connecting the dots? Well, actually, it, it is connecting the dots. I would love to see, um, like, the known African-Americans, so the football players, the rappers, the basketball players. Yeah own um not just black art but but real art you know it hurts my feelings when i go to one of these people's houses and i see like z gallery art yeah, yeah. ikea art yeah. right 
How cool, <laughs> how cool how cool would it be to have someone that's like a staple in the culture, like a James Harden owning Robert Hodge? Yeah. So yeah. That, that's one of like the big things I want to do is connect these really, really dope artists. Arabia, right? Yeah. Like Slim should have some dope stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I want to do, like in in culture, mm-hmm. make sure that the right people own the right art. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not familiar, I'm gonna put you on somebody. Kajal Baines. Okay, put me on. I'm gonna text you the net, yo. Shit is crazy. Kajal I wish Baines. I would have met you earlier, I mean, Mark. Like, <laughs> you are the type of people I like. Hey, to hang. I, this has been a good education. Listen and put me on. You have my information, bro. Oh, we, we gonna keep ride. This going. We gonna we ride. Keep this going. I like it. But um, so let me ask you this: When you go, when you're in day job mode, right, mm-hmm. and you're trying to connect these dots, mm-hmm. connect these artists with these brands. Mm-hmm. What is it that tells you that these artists are ready to be introduced to these brands? Mm. You know what? I think the brand first dictates it. Mm. You know, what are they looking for? Yeah. Sometimes it's pretty specific. Like they want a female artist. They want a black artist. They want a Hispanic artist. The next part is if it's commissioned work, mm. you know, are they punctual? Do they execute? <laughs> no. <laughs> right, nine times out of ten, right? Do they do they execute um, what they're being commissioned to ask, ask to do? So yeah. that that's what I look at. Really, the kind of their business practices mm. um, as a whole. When you're looking at someone that you're partnering a brand to, because like you yeah. said, it's, it's a business. Mm-hmm. So then aesthetics is secondary. Absolutely. Okay. Because it it's a business. Yeah, absolutely. Understandable. I mean, nah. I, I I'm pausing for thought. Because I have this. No, no, no. My I'm, artists are flaky things. Listen, I know. I know my artists, brethren and sistren. I know how a lot of them get down. Mm-hmm. A person like Rebea, she's on time. Mm-hmm. Right. She will get it to you early. Knock yeah. it out. And ask you if you if you know what I'm saying. What, what else? else? What yep. else do you need? Yep. Not. What else do you need me to change? She ain't gonna ask that shit. Yeah. She goes <laughs> on top of this. Yep. Yeah. So what else do you need? And, and I appreciate that on the business side. Yeah. Understandable. I mean, it, and a lot of people don't get that. Like you have to have that tight. And I'm speaking to myself because sometimes mm-hmm. with my photography, I'm, I'm good. I get it to you early. Mm-hmm. I communicate early and often. Fine art shit, though. Uh, um, we'll have to talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> but who do you think that you've seen in just the Houston market? Because there's tons of artists all over the place. Who do you think in the Houston market that these brands are going to be clamoring after? Mm. Trying to put somebody on here. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I, I feel like Donkey Boy is next. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. Um, I, I feel like for brands, he checks a lot of uh, boxes. He is he, he is Houston culture. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's done good brand partnerships that that have been commissioned that people know him for for the murals. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that's that's waiting on him really is a, is a dope collab with a like a fashion yeah. brand or something like yeah. that. I'd like to see more edge from him. Not not from him necessarily. Just, just in infused general. into this commercial world, right? Because you don't have, like, we're starting to see it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any brands that you think do it right when they when they do a collab with the art world or, or the creative world? 
Because you got to think, you're coming from a very yeah. creative perspective. So yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff's not going to inspire you. Well, but, but the average consumer. But you got to think about it, dope. though. That's not true, though, because you got to think about it. Like, Who are they going I'm, after? Well, not only that, like, I'm just saying, like, my background, when I'm with my photography, yeah, like, I'm definitely on some fine art, but at the same time, like, I look at things like Helmut Newton and mm. Herb Ritz and things like that, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I also look at James Van Der Zee. Mm. I look at the emotion in the James Van Der Zee photograph, and I'm like, somebody can use that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just have to understand. Malik Sidibe would be perfect, mm. perfect for some for, for different types of uh, uh, shit, spirits, for mm-hmm. fashion, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or even, oh my God, Zele Tumatuewa. Oh my God. Yeah, that's All a right, hell of a name to say. Zele Tumatuewa is a South African photographer. Amazing. Dope shit. Send me his work too. I got too. you. All right. I got you. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> and Mark's going to send you a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. And but that's the kind I will of. Google them all. Trust me. <laughs> oh, they'll be linked. Uh, <laughs> man, I like you more, Mark. You, but that's, you got a new friend in me, brother. Hey, man, look, let's do it, man. Let's do dinner. Uh, <laughs> At Indigo. <laughs> okay. I've been. <laughs> if you fucking go to Indigo without me, she's been standing in Indigo. I've Raquel, been, I haven't been. Raquel, we're gonna bring you also. Thank you. Don't but um, ask. but no, like you know, I I, I want to see that edge. I want to see something that makes people slightly uncomfortable, but still be like that shit's dope. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what's interesting about that? So it's not just the artists or the brands, but it's it's the person like me yeah. um, that's connecting the brands to the artists, having either knowledge or limited knowledge yeah. of who, who the right artists are to pair with brands, yeah. right? Yeah. So you, you're dropping all these dope artists on me, but if I'm supposed to be the the doorkeeper or the curator of culture, you need to know them. I need to know them. Yeah. So, because think about shame, how kind dope. of shame on me. Shame <laughs> on the, No, for real, for yeah, real. Yeah, I, I feel you, but you know, I, listen. I believe myself to be a connector of dots as well. Mm-hmm. I got you. Micheline um, Thomas would be dope for Gucci. Micheline mm-hmm. Thomas. If y'all don't know who Micheline Thomas is, look that shit up. She'd be dope for Gucci. Absolutely dope. But what, um, what is it that her, or it, is it her? Yes. Her, so, her art and Gucci. Why? I mean, let me say Gucci-esque. Um, I think Gucci will work because Gucci, when Gucci does vintage, um, they like to, a lot of times they like to be in that 60s, 70s pocket, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is dope, right? Yeah. Micheline Thomas, her work pulls from black exploitation motifs, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. right? And then she uses glitter. She uses gold leaf. I she uses I, I love patterns. gold leaf. You know what I'm saying? Like, not only that, she uses black ass imagery like say one more time ass, black ass people black ass imagery. love it you know what i'm saying so love think it. about that when gucci when gucci had that dust up right because mm. it was the, just the dust up. with the stupid with the stupid fucking yeah. dumb <laughs> dumb ass dumb turtleneck right <laughs> they could have immediately yeah, been like you know what let's put funny. dapper dan and micheline thomas together mm. Some marketing that shit would like, have been amazing. You're gonna make someone get their bonus next year. Yeah. Well, you know, I used to I used to love doing guerrilla marketing with my homie, so yeah. well, our clothing company. So that's like that's the shit I think about all the time. Yeah, Mark, I got a job <laughs> for you. Yeah, are, are you still in the job market? Uh, we can talk. Okay, we can talk. <laughs> we can talk. Right. We can talk. I, we can I'm talk. being dead serious. Uh, shit, we can talk. 
I told you, everyone said, <laughs> you need to know DA. Every, every single person. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I appreciate your humility and being like, you know what? Shit, I should know better. I, I, I should have my fingers on this pulse because that's the only way shit's going to change, right? If people recognize their gaps mm-hmm. where they need to be like, okay, cool. I don't know this. I need to know that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's a really dope thing. So now, let's, oh, okay. go ahead. Let's no, 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 go ahead. Segue I'm sure that. we're the same page. Where do you go to get your exposure to the art? There you go. Are we, are we finally getting simpatico? I don't use that word, but sure. You know, it, it's really like conversations like this. So I, I would ask someone who either I like their, their collection or I like the artists themselves, like, what artists are you following? Who are you collecting? Yeah. Or I'd meet someone like Mark that would drop a list. I'm being honest, yeah. drop a list on me. Yeah, yeah. And I'd do my research like, you know what? Mark was spot on. This really is the art I like. So it comes through conversation. Yeah. I try to pop up on any cool little small or big art show because mm-hmm. um, I want I want to see the new talent the new raw talent yeah. so wherever I can get exposed to it I want to see it um, I really really like seeing street art mm. um, I love the programs that they have in Philadelphia with the commissioned murals that shit blew my mind isn't, isn't it amazing I was only there for a weekend but I was like I need to come back just to see all the work. it's also yeah. a really walkable city so listen as much as I love rappers from Philly <laughs> from Eve to Enes, you know what I'm saying, to Meek. Yeah. Philly is always on the worst cities to live list. <laughs> I didn't like, say I would oh live man, there. Man, Mark. I did not say I would no, live there. So I'm, I, nah, it's we hard. just like the art. It's hard yeah. for me to be like, ah, I'm going to go to Philly. No, if we you know, go for like a, a street art thing, yeah. in the 48 hours I was there, I was like, I need to come back because I, we were driving. I was like, yeah. oh, I need to go in that neighborhood. Yeah. But they have like an actual city commission program. There's street art everywhere. Art of the Steel will make you hate Philadelphia, but it's a great damn documentary. Okay. Where, where is that at? Netflix. Art of the Steel. Got it. Yo, shit's crazy. I'll watch it. Um, so, okay, so that's where you go to. So, it, yeah, it's people and places. People and places. So, let's talk about people and places. How is it that you came to managing artists? We are on the this, same this, this uh heist agency situation so actually thanks to robert hodge and thanks to uh dj mr rogers first hodge planted the seed early on okay um we were having we were we having coffee somewhere right Mm -hmm. and he was he put it on my mind like how do you want to be remembered um and i want to be remembered not necessarily as the man but the person that connected the man so Mm -hmm. who put andy warhol with basket oh he was at a dave anderson party art event yeah, I want to be that. That's how I want to be remembered in history. Like, oh, he put these people together. So that that was the first seed. Um, didn't know that was going to turn into management. DJ Mister Rogers, after I was promoting, said, "Hey man, you should be management. Like, you know mm. the scene, you know the industry. Why don't you manage me?" And it it kind of worked out. Like we finessed it for a year, and it was dope. Like I enjoyed that. I enjoyed not being in a nightclub anymore. I enjoyed yeah. um, bringing him to brands, working on his branding. And while doing that, I met Donkey Boy. And Donkey Boy's like, you know, you manage DJs. You think you can manage the artists? I was like, well, I'm into visual art. Hydra's like, now nah, you should manage them. Yeah. And that's how it started. Simple enough. <laughs> Those connections. The dot connector? Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So when you're looking for new talent to bring on. Mm. Actually, let's go back to why do, why do artists need management? 
What are the bad ones? There's so many reasons. But I'm going to let you I'm, into I want, I want the yeah. artist manager to no, no, answer no. this. I know why I think they need management. I'll let the manager answer. <laughs> for the business aspect, right? Okay. Um, so so where, where it starts at is it's easier for someone that's kind of the go-between to negotiate on their behalf. Okay. Um, that way the buyer doesn't take it personal, yeah. be it the promoter or the collector, et cetera. Um, it helps having that person. Also, for me, I've realized a lot of the talent I work with didn't even really know their true uh, monetary value as far as the market goes. Mm. Um, while you see maybe a lot of creatives overprice their stuff mm-hmm. and think that you know it's better, the humble group that I work with were underpricing their work or their services. Yeah. So I, I think that was the big thing. And then outside of that is just, you know, the, the business side of it, invoicing, um, make sure people show up on time, looking at their brand, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you look for when you're looking for new talent? Like, you're like, they need a manager. I want to be with people. I like, like who, who am I a fan of? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I look at. And then I look at, you know, are they a good person? Period. We don't work with assholes. It's always important. That's a, that seems to be limiting in the art world. Cause not really, not really. Yeah. I, so I feel like the people I work with, like Hodge and Donkey Boy, like they have really, really big hearts. Yeah, Alex. Is, yeah. Or Donkey Boy is. Yeah, and while I will say Hodge and my man fifty grand, y'all ain't heard that shit in a minute. <laughs> but Hodge is my guy. Hodge can be abrasive, but, but it's Hodge, endearing. Oh, it's but I, I feel like his, his abrasiveness in, his, is his intention. Is yeah, in the right place. Exactly, right. exactly. And if if he get at you, it's because you fucked up. Like, <laughs> right, right, straight up. <laughs> or there was a miscommunication. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and if, it, if it was a miscommunication, he's the type of person to come back. You know what? Shit, my bad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So I can I can vouch for that. I can vouch. That has been my experience <laughs> with Robert Leroy Hodge. That's my guy. We love you, Hodge. We love you, Hodge. <laughs> I tell people Hodge's episode is still my favorite, one of my favorites from season one. Yeah, I was not. I went in there not expecting much, not to his artistry, but yeah. I was like, oh my god, he makes you want to go out and like conquer the world. He does. <laughs> I'll give yeah. you guys some insight. He's in a season right now where he's transitioning, mm-hmm. and the person he's about to become. Mm-hmm. Oh man. We are, we are all in for a, a real big treat. Yeah. We did lunch a couple of weeks ago, man. Okay, so you, yeah, you know yeah, it's coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the right person to be the the steward of what he what he's about to do. Yeah, he's can't can't really say enough about that guy. He's very busy right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. very busy uh, making uh, parts of Houston great again. Big moves. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so, what is what do you think your pinnacle of collecting? Because I'm going to ask you this a few different times, very specifically. What do you think your pinnacle of collecting success would be? Mm, I think when I have a gallery, an, an internationally known uh, gallery. Okay. I think that's when. So you want to. Yeah, that's something I definitely aspire to have is a really dope gallery, something like Compound in New York. Where ah, make it in Houston. We need it. Like New York. Okay. It'll be it'll be in Houston. Cool. Cool. Um cool. where where the influencers of, of popular culture, the culture that like yeah. Jay Z, the Swiss Beats are are coming to Dave Anderson. So the Met 
of Houston. Yeah. But it, an internationally known spot, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you want to be like Gagosian. Exactly. No, that, Gagosian is a that, beast. That is the name. Yep. Gagosian is a beast. That's the name. Yeah, oh if you God. if you ever read his story, it's like it's a humbling story how he started. So I feel yeah. like I could definitely do it. Yeah, because you hear him, you hear that name back, early Jean Michel Basquiat, mm-hmm. yep. Um, yep. mid mid career, early career Warhol, yep. Right, like small. Yeah, I'm gonna show it the small, you know, Gagosi, and then next thing you know, he's got what 14 locations mm-hmm. worldwide. Yeah, like right. that's insane. That's a privately owned gallery. And like he's the go-to. The, yeah, yeah. I will say Jack Shaman. Jack Shaman is kicking ass with black art. Yeah. So, so who is he? Jack Shaman is the gallery. gallery. It's a New York gallery. So they have Toyin Oji Oditola. Are they, are have, they black owned? Uh, nah, okay. But they are black artists though. Dope. But yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, black curators. And- Toyin, who else? Uh, Hank Willis Thomas. Um, I think they have... Hank's mother, mm-hmm. Deborah. Um, uh, Hank, yeah. Anyway, um, who else they got? They got everybody. He represented uh, Barkley, Barkley mm-hmm. L. Hendricks. Um, What's the name of the gallery? One more time. Uh, Jack, Jack Shaman. Jack Shaman. Yeah, they. I feel like I'm butchering people's names, and I might be. It's been a long couple weeks. Um, I, I, I can't tell. <laughs> you just got to say it with confidence. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? that's the key. Fuck everybody's name up with confidence. They won't even correct you. Nah, but <laughs> but no, they. I I always I follow Jack Shaman because that's where I learn about a lot of contemporary mm-hmm. black artists. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I want to say they represent um, Carrie James Marshall, too. Wow. I think like, so, because that's where we, I found the picture that we sourced. OK. From their yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. From the wow. curator from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this shit is crazy. Like they <laughs> they've got a hell of a roster and I ain't even mad at it. Goals. You know what I'm saying? All day. All right. So you say goals. Yeah. So what would be your management pinnacle? success Mm. that's a good question I I feel like I'm known as not just a music manager or or an art manager but the go to person to bring your brand uh, someone's personal brand to the next level Mm. and working with the top talent Um, so not just DJs not just music not just visual artists but the top talent and top influencers in the country okay okay not not just in the country, in the world. Like, oh, Dave Anderson manages. Yeah. Yeah. Mark. yeah. So you're 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 for the global takeover. Yep. I, International. Okay. I'm I'm not mad at that. Um, let me know how I can help. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but no. Um let's do something helpful. For those who don't right. have those artists who don't have management, what are some tips or what are some things that you see that you're like it's probably not I, I tell you the very them. first one is catalog your art. Okay. Um, not just as kind of a resume to say, okay, this is what I did in the past, but so you can also see how you've grown as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know where your art lives because if you plan on being as big as you plan on being, one day you want to know where that first piece is, right? Okay. Can we drill down a little deeper when you say catalog? Catalog in terms of a picture of your art with the name of it, the year, um, maybe how much you sold it for, who bought it, 
where it's living, etc. Okay. Um, the other thing is don't don't stop learning. Keep getting educated. Keep learning more about your craft. Um, apply for grants. Um, and not just keep learning about your craft, but keep learning in life. So you can talk about broader topics, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe first you start out drawing just people. Mm-hmm. But as you grow as a person, through your learning, through your life experiences, your content, your subject matter can evolve. And I think that's one thing as a growing artist, something that you can you should consider and think about. Because I think that subject matter is what makes great artists. Like when, yeah. that, when that art starts talking, like, oh, shit. The artist voice. So uh, basically what he is saying is find your voice. There find is. ways to tell stories in ways that are unique to you if you're a young black person who grew up without a father what's unique about your story Mm -hmm. because unfortunately that shit rings true for a lot of us if you've battled depression what's unique about your story Mm um i mentioned some shit i've been dealing with but (laughs) but what's unique about whatever it is that you do um it's it it's so funny because raquel gets frustrated with me because i harp on it you do. You don't get frustrated. I'm going to wait for you to finish because okay. I get frustrated about a lot of shit. That's so. true. Uh, she gets frustrated because I harp on it so much. But the thing is, like, in business, mm-hmm. there's a power of differentiation, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, you got 150 million tequila companies. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the difference? This is why in the commercials you see stories. Mm-hmm. Everybody's telling the story of mm-hmm. how their distillery was started, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people go into those stories because that's what brings people to them. They understand that that's what you need now mm-hmm. as opposed to just being this pretty thing like oh my god that bottle's so beautiful mm-hmm. so i feel i was gonna let you slide earlier with this voice thing i think it needs to be clarified i never said art does not have to have a voice oh no i didn't say that you i did. the issue the point of contention was devaluing art that you don't think has a voice no that's what know. you thought i was doing and that's what but you keep bringing it Get back it without going no no, no. all i'm the, saying when we had our full circle moment oh, no, that no, no, we no. don't actually disagree about no no this. no all i said <laughs> all i'm saying is that you get frustrated with me because I harp on it. Yeah. At, okay. at every turn, I'm talking about voice. But I but, think it's important, especially yeah. from consumer and as an yeah. artist. It's but important. voice isn't always, it's not always that the work says something. It's, is your technique unique? Mm-hmm. If you ain't saying shit, it needs to look different than everybody's, right? Mm-hmm. Like CJ Hendry, she's an Australian artist. Um, and she does these photorealistic drawings. Mm-hmm. But she does them like crumpled dollars, right? She's done that for Hermes. She's done that with Louis Vuitton. She's done it with all these high, you know, uh, these haute couture fashion houses and shit. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what, what it is about it is that her perspective on it is unique. Mm-hmm. The technique that she's using is unique because she will do photorealistic, but she'll use a gold marker or a gold pen, mm-hmm. right? So it has a shimmer to it. So there's always something that's unique about it. It ain't always that unique that it's a pair of boxing gloves or some shit, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But there is something unique about how she created it. So that's where that voice comes into play. It's either technique mm-hmm. or it's story. And there has to be a sliding scale. 
Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like that's so we don't disagree on this. No, just, no. I was just, just saying that you get annoyed. And, and, and if you can master bro. both, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. That's when you start really kicking ass, right? Because Kerry James Marshall, like his work is just beautiful because he captures the story of black people so effortlessly, mm-hmm. but he works in dark tones for skin, right? Which I love a good monochromatic skin tone. But he does it in such a dark register, right? Amy Sherald, her work is both vibrant and muted at the same time. Mm-hmm. Toy and Ojo Dutola, she has very unique uh, mark making. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that she she does a lot of full frames of people, mm-hmm. um, and if she doesn't, she intensifies the mark making. Um, if you're not familiar, how y'all. Her, to my her work is so dope. Her work is so dope. But um, but yeah, so there there always has to be that. So I, I'm just piggybacking on to what DA said because I think that's very important so as a those, former teacher. Former. <laughs> so like all it. of those things are how artists can improve their work as an artist. What mm-hmm. about those who are venturing into taking their art seriously as a business? What are some tips? Yeah, I would give them the same tips. Uh, cataloging. Um, look at it as a business continue to create right uh continue to put out work continue to be seen continue to apply for grants i think that's good find mentors yeah tell them they your damn mentors and keep <laughs> up with them now, I, I love that model mark because I, I do the same <laughs> thing and sometimes it's a, it's a virtual mentor that i may or may not ever meet yeah i mean the difficulty for me was like first of all you have, unfortunately, the black community, mm-hmm. um, and it may be the same in other communities as well, but I'm black, so that's what I know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the black community, it's hard to find mentors for young men mm-hmm. because for some reason, the generation before ours is very competitive, yep. even with us, right? So if it's like, hey, I need and, some and, guidance. And it's not like our mom and dad generation either. It's the 50 something oh, year olds. Yeah. Yeah. They are really competitive. Yeah. Like those, those just old enough to be my big brother, big sister. Like mm-hmm. they, mm-hmm. I, and maybe it's different for you because you're, you know, in a sorority and how whatnot. Because I mean, hey. <coughs> how do you feel, Raquel? About mentorship? No, about, uh, about, about the generation. The, yeah. Oh, the unwillingness to mentor. That hasn't been my experience. Um, most of the particularly women that I reach out to. Yeah. When I make an effort to utilize my yeah. resources have been nothing yeah. helpful. So. See, when I thought I wanted to be in, in when when I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go into marketing. I'm going to go into finance. I'm going to go do this. Mm-hmm. Hmm, I think I want to go to law school. Man, I could have a conversation with somebody and they'd be like, oh, man, you sound real sharp. You stay away, stay way away from yeah, this motherfucker. No. Like, bro, I'm not trying to steal from you. And I just want yep. some help. Like, yep. Yep. If anything, my mentors probably think higher of me than I think of myself. They're like, you're, you're not doing what you should be doing. You need to move. And See, <laughs> I have that now yeah. because the people that I talk to, when I talk to them, the things that they said resonated with me. Mm-hmm. I made sure to be like, hey, you're going to be my mentor. Mm-hmm. Because I knew at that moment, like when first time I talked to Delita Martin, I was like, yo, You're dope. you you speak in my language. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And she, shit, come out to the house. Oh, well, I cook. Cool. Come on, come cook. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Rebea, 
I texted Rebea today so dry, like just sent her some images and was like, I'm sorry for bombarding you. You know, I appreciate you as a person. <laughs> like, and she's like, hey, don't even worry about that shit. Mm-hmm. Hodge did this. They literally said the same exact thing to me when I text them dry as shit. And she, was like, yo, my know. bad. They was like, hey, don't worry about that shit. I get it. <laughs> and then gave me feedback. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rebea was, hey, come out to the artist talk tonight. Cool. I'll be there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So making sure that there's that connection there, like, mm-hmm. has always been hard always been hard you know what i'm saying but i find in the art world so much easier and i don't know if that's if if that's a do you think that something that's unique to houston i don't know i don't know well so in general in chicago i was out in chicago for seven months and i made exactly two friends Hmm. (laughs) And and i will say i will say one friend and then the other was kind of like a, a, a add-on, but he's still cool as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can still ne- text Next time you're in Chicago, I got you, by the way. Cool. I mean, now we, we have Danny. I've never been. Danny like, is the homie. Uh, I don't, do you, know do you follow Le- Legacy Brothers? Uh-uh. You have to meet Danny. Okay. Put me on. Add it oh, to the list. Yes. Uh, so, Danny is a... Wealth of knowledge for black art. Writer, <laughs> curator, <laughs> historian, mm-hmm. and yes, a wealth of black knowledge, art and historical. Yeah. Um, and an amazing storyteller. Yeah, and a like grandpa wow. storyteller. Like it's crazy. Um, but he's in Chicago and he's been in Chicago for quite some time. He grew up in uh Gary, Indiana, which you know what I'm saying, that's a hop. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, so what's Danny's last name? Dunton. Dan- okay. Yeah, but he's he's dope. So I'm like, we go up there, Let's do it's it. gonna be a party. Yeah. So I'm ready. Just cool. not not in December. You tripping. Man, it is cold. I can't do this. It's cold. nice though. Yo, the yeah. 39 that we had last week was worse than the Chicago 29, I promise you. I don't, I don't fucking believe you. That humidity. It, except it's not 29 in December. It's like three <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> it is. I'm allergic to the cold. It is. No. I'm with real, you, shit, okay. real shit is like three. Like, yeah, no. yeah it, might, it might be 12 it, right now. That like, <laughs> and, and then the wind is disrespectful. It knocked me down one time. Everybody keeps saying that. That was not my experience. I was running through that shit. It was fun. I love Chicago cold. Anyway. Anyway. There's going to uh, be a mashup of me tell, telling everyone that I want to go to Chicago, just not knowing. Yeah. Summertime. Summertime shy. Yeah. We'll make that a Kanye song. We'll okay. sample. We'll sample some Kanye. Okay. And okay. Raquel saying, I, w- I just want to go to Chicago. I've never been. <laughs> I, I don't do cold, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's mine. I love it. So, where were we? Um... We're, we're talking. Yeah. That that's that's where we are. Shooting we're, the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, but, we do I mean, that that's shit all the time. Like. That's yeah. Well, we don't know if they like it, but that's what they get. <laughs> the feedback <laughs> I get is that's what they <laughs> Basically. Like. We're halfway through season two. Basically. So, yeah, they yeah. like it. Um I don't know, man. I think honestly. Well, so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Children and black art. Mm. What do you think about that? It's a very open-ended question. In what aspect? Creating or exposure? Just what do you think about children in black art? I'll make a statement. I think children, not just black children, should be exposed to black art and to the story being told by black art because nine times out of ten, black children, white children, Asian children aren't seeing the story or hearing the story um, that African-American artists are putting out there. So that's my statement. Works for me. 
Works for me. That's that's all. You know, I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, well, no, nah, I mean, you know, I, I'm. And I could go deeper, but in general, yeah, that's how I feel about children and black art. Yeah, I mean, so they've they've done studies on like, um, the interaction of white children and mm-hmm. black imagery, mm-hmm. um, from storybooks to, um, cartoons, and they actually have been testing better with white children than white. Wow imagery which is crazy as shit right like it's crazy but i think generally like the stories become more creative because you have to find a way to make them relevant Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. to tell the relevant stories of black people as opposed to just chocolating up a white story you know what i'm saying like (laughs) (laughs) because you know i collect black children's books yeah but it's usually just the character I didn't, it wasn't until I read a book. I was like, this is not, this is missing some cultural aspect. And I found out it was a white author. And it was like, it was crazy because I never would have thought that based on the names of the character. Are you but there's several of them. Like oh, okay. once I started looking at who the authors of the books that I was collecting, but how we tell, how black authors tell children's stories is significantly different. It's the so same. It's not just making or picking the brown crown for your illustrations. It's how we tell stories. It's the same as white TV show or white writers writing, writing for black actors. You can always call it. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. Which is actually funny because I just made an observation last night while watching This Is Us with my wife. They absolutely have black writers absolutely. for Randall and Beth. Absolutely. Like, for all the black people in the show, they the absolutely do. The cultural nuance is there. I think that's why one yeah. of the shows really good. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It makes a huge fucking difference. Yeah. Because I don't get lost in the so lost in the white part of the story that seeps into the black characters. Like mm-hmm. it's a full picture. But that goes to what you were saying about all of the kids needing to be exposed to these stories. Because for so long, we've all been getting a portion of the story, mm-hmm. right? Skewed for us, mm-hmm. right? So even in TV, we're not necessarily getting authentic white stories. You know what I'm saying? For anybody that has a white friend, <laughs> I'm, I'm being to ridiculous, be fair, right? But your baseline. Th- he has a wild life. Yes. <laughs> he has a wild life. Well, no, I'm, that's not my only white friend. I have more white friends than Ben, okay. but he's just my bud. But, <laughs> but no, for for a lot of white people, when you get to listening and delving deeper into these stories, because nobody talks about the fact that we don't share real stories Mm -hmm. right because we think oh i hate these white people on tv that's just that's that bullshit don't nobody have that privilege first of all people do have that privilege both white black hispanic asian whatever Mm -hmm. not across the board yeah but people experience that privilege yeah but yeah it's absolutely a class thing right because shit i've heard white boys it's like yeah government cheese man that shit good like what you've had what are you telling me, white devil? You've had government. Why are you call people I'm just, devil? I'm just playing, guys. You, white people are not devils, but, but no, it's like you know. Oh shit, you've, you've experienced some of the same things I've experienced, mm-hmm. just not with the same racial component, mm-hmm. right? And then we start to understand more about this country and that it's really a class thing. While a poor white man may still have more privilege than a poor black man. He ain't got that fucking much. <laughs> He's still going to be in prison. You know right. what I'm saying? He's not going to be Felicity Huffman. I agree. Just saying. And the I black agree. man with money, him and his wife are not going to be Felicity Huffman either. 
So, <laughs> and, and then I want to add one more thing to the statement. It's not just yeah. black art, right? That mm-hmm. the children should be exposed to is Hispanic art too, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Asian art. Yep. All of them yep. have LGBTQ art. I A plus. You've done that to me several times. I know. That's why I said I thank just, you. you know, being know. ridiculous. But no. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's important to show them their stories and then expand their world. And whenever yeah. it's like, okay, all the children in my life, I buy them every black book that I can think of. Like, oh. if, if you have a kid near me, Rocky is sending them black that. children's books. And then that. as they start to learn, it's like, yeah. oh, here's some Hispanic heritage books that'll teach you that. Because I think the first book I read about I think it was like Chinese culture. It was a mm-hmm. China boy. It was a signed reading. But I loved it. And I was like, oh my God. But that perspective, it completely opened my mind. Yeah. It was just a book. There was no pictures. It was just the storytelling. Yeah. But mm-hmm. after, I didn't feel like, oh, I have to learn about everyone else's because I felt like I had a center and ground. Like I know my stories and not just, you know, my unique perspective stories, yeah. but stories of other black people who live completely different lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it made me open to what other lives are other people who don't look like me living. And that's why children should be exposed to diverse art. Yeah. Yeah. And books. It's funny because like, and I, I thought about this as Raquel was talking, but it's it's hilarious because you know how many parents would be in an uproar if they went in a classroom mm. and there were only, and I'm going to drill it all the way down. Black if they books. go in the classroom, nah, if they go in the classroom and there's only red, yellow, and blue crayons mm. and there's no teaching about the fact that these colors create all the other colors mm. in the spectrum mm. right yet we do that shit with history mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying mm. we do that with art mm. you know what i'm saying like even when we tell the stories of great mathematicians that's greek and roman right yeah and maybe asian you know what i'm saying if you're if you're really digging and, and we should be talking about the moors yeah. yeah you know what i'm saying we should be talking about all of that. When we talk about wealth through the ages, Africa is never brought up. Mm. Not in mainstream public education. I, I, I worked in that shit. That shit don't get talked about. Not really. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 amazing to me that we settle for that when we ain't gonna settle for we not gonna settle for a three pack of crayons for our children. Mm-mm. Three colors of paint. <laughs> like <laughs> unless we're talking about how everything else came about. So that's a great analogy. Thank you. Come Thank on, you. art teacher. I see. I man. left the classroom, but it didn't leave you. Oh, I still love educating. I just yeah. don't want to be in somebody's classroom. I understand. That's fine. Yeah. Mm. They don't pay enough. They don't value teachers. I'm going to get Mark to the marketing side. Let's talk. We'll figure it out. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, I've always enjoyed it, actually. So we can talk about it. Um, but, David, we have one more question for you. Let's do it. And I'm going to let Raquel do the honors on our on our final question that we always don't make she's making that weird face we don't have a set final question fine 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 i'll do it and then you're gonna be like oh so well actually you know what you may not understand this context that this is that it is actually possible so when they write Ah. about oh there you go (laughs) when they when they write about david anderson in the we're we're, we're gonna put you in the art books because they put collectors in the art books they do 
um, and, and critics, but you know, what the fuck is a critic? Um, <laughs> Everybody's a critic. Everybody's you know what I'm saying? Uh, but when they write about you and your collecting and, and your patronage of the artists in the history books, what would you like them to say? That not only did I collect dope art, but I gave artists a chance, um, especially artists that might not have ever had a chance uh, if I wasn't able to connect that dot for them. So be it a brand or a gallery or a new mm-hmm. collector, I would love to be remembered like that, like the yeah. great dot connector. David Anderson the third, we appreciate you for being with us today. Nah, I appreciate it. I feel like I got two new friends. Yeah. Hey, man. For real, for real. We, but, we but Drake said, said no new show. friends. I don't believe it. <laughs> Drake, Drake is super friendly. He, he don't know. Got, Drake is super friendly. He got a lot of new friends. Um, no, we always say once you're on the show, you're a friend. So yeah. don't act funny next time you see me. It's now like, I know no, you. No Raquel, more first time Raquel introductions. Raquel Simone. So, yeah. No more new first time introductions. Gotcha. So I'm like, hey. Well, listen. On behalf of the Arts Explanatory Combo Podcast... And not and I'm a part of it. Raquel Simone. Raquel and Mark. Simone. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You fucked that up. I did fuck it up. <laughs> On behalf of Raquel Simone. On behalf of Raquel Simone and myself, Mark Francis. Thank you for listening. Thank you, DA. Thank you guys. Peace. <laughs>